Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mad Talks podcast. For the men out there, can you imagine being diagnosed with with cancer? And obviously, that's something just immediately uh, scary to think about. But then, can you also imagine losing all use of of your penis and and able to get an erection and uh, essentially, you know, have full on erectile dysfunction? Then, can you imagine having to um, have an intimate relationship with with a partner? Um, and and how scary that would be to even bring up in conversation. Uh, that's what we talk about on today's episode. You know, we're so lucky to have had Michael Russer and his partner Jacqueline on the show to talk about that very thing. Michael was diagnosed with with cancer, was launched into a, a journey that is truly inspiring, but also incredibly valuable to learn from. Whether you have gone through a cancer diagnosis before or or, or are currently uh, going through the recovery stage of one, or honestly, if you're just in a relationship, there's so much to learn from this episode, and uh, I feel so value. You know, I feel so lucky that I, I got an opportunity to talk to them. Um, I'm going to launch right into it, and and I uh, hope you learn as much as possible, and and then check out Michael and Jacqueline's book, which is coming out, plus all the uh, videos and 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 blog posts that they've written online, because I think these two are are an incredible couple. Michael and Jacqueline, thank you so much for joining me on the Mad Talks podcast. Uh, we are so appreciative of this opportunity to share our experience um, with your audience. So we thank you. Yeah, Roger. It's uh, I, I I was looking forward to this uh, since the first time uh, you reached out to me. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of the TED Talk that you gave uh, a few years ago, but also um, for those that don't know, Michael's done some amazing work uh, on the Good Man Project, writing for them, and I'm really looking forward to digging into the conversation today. But before we get started, we always like to ask our guests the same question every time, and I'm, I'm wondering if each of you can provide an answer. Can you share with us a defining moment for you in your life? All right, well, I'll take the lead on that one. I've had a number of defining moments, but relative to where I I am now in my life, which, by the way, despite the most uncertainty I've ever experienced in so many different levels, I wouldn't trade my life now for anything or any other time or any other person. And that's going to have a bigger import as people uh, listen further into this conversation because they're going to say, what? (laughs) So for me, Roger, I honestly believe I would not be living on this planet right now if I had not drawn that line in the sand. You saw the TEDx talk and the defining moment was uh, going from being a very shut down, driven individual and by shut down, I meant, or I mean, uh, basically putting up a lot of barriers in front of my heart. And I was very engaging. I mean, I was an international speaker for 20 years. I knew how to deal with people and work with people, but I didn't know how to connect with people. And the defining moment, the one that has saved my life, the one that allowed me to have the incredible relationship I have right now with Jacqueline, is literally insisting that I will no longer go through my life with uh, covering over my heart, meaning trying to protect it from being hurt. Only now to realize that hearts can't be hurt. So that that for me, you know, that was over five years ago. That was the biggest transformation. And it was the result of simply 
a choice. Mm. For that. me, the defining moment, Roger, is uh, actually just a um, couple of years ago, maybe less than that. It was the realization that I didn't come to this world to be the daughter of somebody or the spouse or the sister or a professional woman in, in this world. I came to do something. I came, and I think we all do that. I, I think we, we all come to this world to do something significant, and that is to share yourself with your knowledge and, and compassion with the other human beings. And I realized that a lot of people who came to us after our speeches and say, you, whatever you said, it was just the right thing that you communicate, you, you convey, and you change the way I think about X, Y, Z. And that's what I decided. This is my mission. I came to do this. I came to bring the message, whatever that is, to peep, to change people's life, to change people's perspective. And, and it's wonderful. Love that. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, you know, Michael, you, you touched on this, but, but you, you had a cancer diagnosis. And as a result, that impacted you, you know, sexually. Uh, there, there was an, uh, I can't I get it up to save my life, Roger. Let's just call it what it is. Perfect. I became clinically impotent. <laughs> There's no need to dance around it. Um, oh, I know it's men's worst nightmare, and I've I had love, men I tell love me. You, man. That's, that's yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> you know, and 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 thank and thank and thank you so much for being so just open and honest with that. Um, you know what 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 was the results of of that sort of uh, journey? Because I think it really was a journey, and and. And and how how have you gotten to that to you know to the to the space you're in today? Well, it was a journey, and it continues to be a journey. I uh, I was diagnosed with the first of my two cancers, uh, literally just two months after I drew that line in the sand of my life, and that's why it was so important that I did that first. Because uh, and I, I say this up on stage. I don't think I would have uh, made it if I had not opened my heart. I was, I, I mean, if people saw what I looked like, I looked like my dad. Uh, I, I looked so much older. I looked, um, I looked dead. My eyes looked dead. And so it, 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 receiving a cancer diagnosis and in my family, that means you're going to die, period. Uh, I lost five other members of my immediate family to various forms of cancer. Basically, cancers wiped out 50% of my immediate family, all different kinds. So I don't take that, that diagnosis lightly. But as a result of, and ironically, uh, I was the first one in my family that I'm aware of that had prostate cancer. And as a result of all the treatments, the surgery, the radiation, and so on, I end up losing my erectile function. And um, yeah, that was, I, I remember there's times that I was so angry and so, I mean, just furious because I had just uh, ended a 26-year marriage where, like so many baby boomer marriages, uh, the last 11 years, we were basically roommates, but we stayed faithful to each other. We didn't, you know, I just threw myself into my work. She threw herself into her, into uh, nurturing the kids. And when my youngest son went off to college, I said, I'm out of here. And that's something we had both agreed. And then all this happened. And that is very common for baby boomers of so uh, getting divorced after many years because they just couldn't stand each other anymore. It's and like just, the now what? They look at yeah, each other, go now them. what? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and so yeah, I was I went through the four stages of loss: first disbelief and a great deal of anger. 
Now, I tend to be a rather optimistic person, and so I didn't dwell in depression very long. I, I went pretty close, pretty almost immediately into negotiation, trying to find ways to, quote unquote, <laughs> fix this, right? And there, there's a, a, you know, about a half trillion dollar industry that's that surrounds fixing men's uh, uh, erectile problems. And I get the emails daily. Yeah, you get the emails daily. Yeah. And you, all you have to do is turn on any kind of TV or anything. Uh, if it's after 9 p.m., you're going to see the Viagra and Cialis ads just, uh, you know, uh, just, they're nonstop. And men and, getting mm-hmm. younger and younger all the time. Yeah. Young men are getting right. ED younger and younger. But so I went through all that. And, um, and you, you know, you saw the TEDx, which kind of chronicles the whole story. A year after all this happened, Jacqueline and I met in the most unusual of circumstances, which would take far longer than we have here to explain what those were. But uh, let's just say that, you know, right right after I drew that line in the sand, I also wrote a document. I called it my Dream Woman Project. I wrote a 13-page document document. Uh, uh, basically outlining exactly who I wanted to share my life with, knowing full well that I may never meet this person. And a year later, Jacqueline and I met. And then two years after that, we looked at that document and our, both our jaws dropped down and go, oh, my God, that's you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, it's true. And, uh, that, that document describes exactly who I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not kidding. And, and, we, and when we met, we, neither one of us were looking. I was on my way to Brazil and she was uh, she was, had just. I, I was done with men. Yeah, she I was so done with men. Yes. yes. <laughs> wow. And it's and it's always in those situations that you end up finding each other. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that you touch on very early in your in your TEDx talk is the idea of a men's view of intimacy versus women's view of intimacy, and and men, you know, not not to generalize, but men typically associate intimacy with with sex, and and women associate intimacy with with hugging and kissing and cuddling and and being close. You know, having that diagnosis, losing your ability to get it up what what did that do to your your you know your 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 perspective on your future love life well uh, if, if at the time it you know i realized i'm going to have some serious problems here with uh, uh with erectile function i i'm thinking um I'm pretty much screwed, but not being screwed, if you know what I mean. And and I mean, I'm just like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. The only thing you didn't contemplate was surgery. Yeah, that's like, yeah. The surgery, there's a surgical implant you can do, but no, it's a it's a dangerous op. It's it's it, it's fraught with oh. potential complications. And I thought, you know what? No, I don't want to do that. No, no, I, I no, not at all. And so when we met. I mean, and and we started out as friends first, which is crucial, absolutely crucial, because um, one of the biggest things that causes relationships to ultimately fail that we've discovered is uh, jumping in the sack too soon without establishing the foundation of emotional intimacy, which truly is the foundation for all their forms of intimacy. So we became friends first, and then Jacqueline invited me to go dancing, which I hadn't done in I don't know how many decades. And then I'm kind of noticing her and I'm going, well, wait a minute, I'm going to Brazil. Hang on. (laughs) So um, I I knew at that point that I'm going to have to, and she didn't know what was going on with me physically. And so I knew I was going to have to share with her. And so you can imagine what was going through my head, Roger. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been, I had not had sex now. And it's been a year later. So I had not had sex now for, for 12 years. Have never dated anybody other than my wife for 30 years. 
And I'm about ready to ask this just beautiful woman who I just, you know, got to know uh, fairly well um, about, you know, about intimacy. And I know I had that, com- had that conversation and I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, when I tell her, is she going to just like, you know, pop up and say, oh, we look at the time. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I got to get going, but we'll be in touch. Bye-bye. You know, I have to say that is probably men's worst nightmare. And, uh, you know, and, and so that's not at all what she said. I, uh, she, I, when I explained to her what was going on and I said, are you open to exploring other ways of being intimate? Not really knowing what that meant at the time. She said, sure. And I wasn't until what, two years later, you told me why you said sure. Why don't you share with them why you said sure, just so quickly? Well, first of all, I'm getting to uh, 52 years old soon. And uh, the way I express sexuality and intimacy is quite different from when I was 20 years old or 30 years old or 40 years old. That's the difference between male and female. We evolve. Women have a a different scale of desires and and wants uh, in terms of sexuality as we age. And uh, I also am uh, very, I, I like to explore new things. So when he suggests, let's explore this, I say, sure. I didn't even know what he meant, but I kind of like the idea because the old way of um, lovemaking was not working for me anymore because my age. I'm a postmenopausal woman, so I'm, I have different different tastes and uh, different wants uh, as I evolve. You know, and I'm, my, my maturity is different from when I was younger. Yeah, it's very. That's a very common phenomenon. You wouldn't believe how many women we talk to who are menopausal, postmenopausal, and they're just not interested as much as they used to be in, in uh, typical forms of intercourse. And and yet, men, you know, because we have the equipment and we're designed literally by nature to spread our seed far and wide and as often as possible. You know, that's where you're going to start seeing some major rifts eventually within within uh, relationships. And this is what we counsel people. We tell them right up front, we're not therapists because by the time they need a therapist, it's probably too late. We're more of a, pardon the pun, a prophylactic to in terms of, of the um, relationships to make sure they never get to the point they need uh, you know, therapy, because we tell them, you know, we explain to them what the drives, you know, they, they un, uh, pretty much largely unconscious set of beliefs, drives and behaviors that are impacting every aspect of their relationship. And we discovered all this, not in spite of, but because of our unique circumstance, my inability to uh, have an erection effectively short circuited this built in wiring that most men have. And so that allowed me, I mean, I still was very excited, but I didn't feel the sense of urgency and be very coachable. Yes, be very coachable. (laughs) If there's one bit of advice I can give the men out there is, is, well, first, let's start with the women. Women, you need to uh, really be clear about what you want in the bedroom and then be willing to coach your man. And men, you need to listen uh, Mm -hmm. because otherwise... There's going to be problems down the line, and uh, and and if you do listen, you will experience levels of of uh, emotional, sexual, and even spiritual intimacy you can't even begin to imagine. Trust me on this, because this was a major, major surprise for both of us. Oh, I love that. You know, you just touched on something that I think would be great to unpack a little bit further. You know, what are some of those drives in a relationship outside of of just sex, and and you know, are there perhaps a few that most 
people in relationships are are not even aware of or are or are perhaps blind to right now uh, because of societal norms and and the things that we're supposed to be driving our, our relationships. Yeah, well, let me put it this way: for men, the drive, as I said, one of the and this is you know the 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 actual drive itself is largely unconscious. It's it's uh, it, men are conscious of the impact of the drive, but the actual impetus behind the drive, that's pretty much largely unconscious. And that is uh, literally to spread our seed far wide and often as possible. And that is was used uh, by nature to propagate the the planet uh, as effectively as possible. And we still have that wiring. And what, but here's the irony, though, is we don't need that now. We don't need that to even have babies now. There's other ways to do that. We have the technology to to have children without having intercourse. And I'm not discounting intercourse. Uh, so don't anybody just suddenly think, oh, my God, what is he saying? No, I'm just saying that drive and women's um, the, the fact that women really look for the emotional component because that's all part of the whole nurturing because the you know the men are the hunter gatherers and way back when and and uh, women are the nurturers so that the progeny the resulting progeny have a chance of you know making it and then further propagating that is the procreative imperative and everything almost everything within relationships is um, kind of spins around that. And, and <clears throat> women normally don't want to hurt their man's ego and we just don't say anything and we expect them to read our mind. And because we, we have the, the fear that we're going to be abandoned with our baby, with the kids. So this is the wiring women had that, Sometimes get in the way to that communication that is so relevant between couples is that women sometimes just don't voice what they're thinking. And so men doesn't know doesn't the men have no clue what is going on in her mind. And she won't say it because she's afraid that he's going to leave them with the kids. Right. So that's or, the wiring on, on the women. Yeah. And in fact, it's even worse because you, you know, there's a study done, very well documented study out of the, out of the UK where they um, they interviewed women of all different ages and 87 percent of them, Roger, admitted to vocalization during intercourse, vocalization meaning moaning, for two primary reasons. Uh, number one, to speed their partner up and not like, oh, do it faster because I love that. No, it's like, okay, let's get it over with already. <laughs> and number yeah. two, you know, basically help their partner feel good about themselves as a, as a lover. And whether they're a great lover or not, because of what Jacqueline just said, because men's egos are very, very fragile. And especially when it comes to the bedroom and that wiring is everything. And that that, that, that fragility comes from that wiring. Right. And, and so one of the things we discovered is, is that men's um, the, the most important. Now, again, I'm generalizing, but for most men who are, you know, reasonably conscious and not sociopathic, men seek to please their woman in a way that uh, no other man can. And women intuitively know this, and that's why they have this behavior. And but so what's happening is in, in most relationships, uh, communication is completely skewed. The woman is given her given him feedback on basically saying, oh, this is wonderful when it's not. 
And eventually that rift is going to split wide open. And uh, one of the first things to go is the emotional intimacy. And then you get down to, I think we were talking to a couple or heard a couple, you know, what about a week or so ago? Yeah. Well, we, you know, we have the, we have the Christmas, uh, you know, when we're, Christmas we have sex and Easter we might have sex yeah, and maybe 4th of July. Sex yeah. Two or three times a year. <laughs> two or three times and a year. It's like a gift. Right. Yeah. It's like a gift. And it's, and it's, you know, you can imagine how wonderful it must be. Anyway. Yeah. So, so I give you these and you give me these other things. Yeah. You know, it's, exactly. It's like negotiation point very transactional yes and very unfulfilling extraordinarily unfulfilling yes let's um, let's imagine for you know there's a listener out there who has you know has is them and their partner are going through a a cancer diagnosis or they're in in recovery and there is this this you know whole question of intimacy and, and, and perhaps it's being a challenge, what's, what's something that they can immediately do to, uh, to change course and, and uh, hoping that you can walk that person through, you know, some of the steps that they can take to, to, uh, to turn the, the situation around? Well, the first thing we do is we look at how, how strong is their emotional intimacy. And emotional intimacy requires three things, uh, a sense of a willingness to be vulnerable. And by vulnerability, which is a highly charged word in our culture, usually implies weakness. It's really quite the opposite. It's an it's a incredible display of courage. Vulnerability simply means uh, willingness to feel everything. We live in a society where we pretend that we're, you know, that everything's okay when it's not. We live in a society that literally conspires to keep us distracted so we don't have to feel things. Well, the first step to really living, and this is especially in light of the circumstances of cancer, is that willingness to feel and acknowledge that that you do feel these things. And then, and then a authentically communicate it between partners. And this means uh, both men and women. So if, if, if one, you know, one partner is going through the cancer, it could be women for breast cancer, ovarian cancer, or any kind of cancer, but the reproductive cancers have the biggest impact on the relationship, of course, or men with testicular or, or prostate cancer. You know, these are really sensitive things. And what, what typically happens is they don't even talk about it because they're, they feel shame. And so, uh, the, the willingness to feel everything, and the uh, the the willingness to be absolutely authentic is crucial. So, in, including saying things that may hurt the feelings of the partner, but at least they're honest. And then they they're out in the open and they can be addressed. Because if you have an elephant in a room and no one acknowledges it, that elephant's going to trample on everything, especially the relationship, uh, and eventually stomp it out. And then finally, uh, and this is really probably the biggest part of our message is the willingness for both parties to be open-hearted, which simply means tear down the walls that we put around our heart to quote unquote, protect ourselves. The only thing we're protecting is our ego. And when we meet, when we, when we're on the stage and when we meet with, uh, do, uh, private coaching with couples or even singles, we talk about the distinction between the heart and the ego. And a lot of people personalize everything. And that's because they live through their ego, their little voice in their head. And we say, well, that's one way to look at life. Another way is uh, say that, okay, that's the false self and who we are, the true essence of who we are is our heart, uh, metaphorically speaking. It 
never wants. It's never needy. He's never jealous. Uh, it's always uh, wanting to give and receive love unconditionally and uh, acknowledging the possibility that maybe our ego is the big troublemaker ends up being a huge, huge shift in the relationship because now they have a safety net. As, you know, Jacqueline and I, I mean, we, we have a relationship I didn't even know was was remotely possible that two people could have and only keeps getting better. Uh, to put this in perspective, our honeymoon was the low point uh, of our relationship. It just keeps getting better. And we try our own pill. Yeah, we, yeah, we take our own pill. And, and, uh, and so, and, 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 but the point is, is that the open heartedness is crucial because without that, you're not going to be able to connect. You're not going to be able to have true intimacy. And, that is what really needs to be worked on. It's, you know, being vulnerable, that's tough. Being authentic, yeah, that's tough. Being heart open, that takes a huge act of courage uh, because it's in direct opposition to what the ego wants. The ego is constantly afraid, constantly wanting, constantly feeling never enough, uh, constantly looking for drama. So we tell people this, Roger. You know, we're not saying that this context is true, but it's no less true than saying that we are that voice in our head, that our, our ego. And so all we do is invite people to ask themselves, which one is more empowering? You know, that you're that voice in your head so that you take everything personally. And so therefore you have no basis for for um, mediation or Look at it as the observer. You know, your heart is your true essence and it's just passively observing this, this cart, this train wreck called a relationship that happens from time to time and watching it, watching the, uh, you know, watching the, 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 the carnage in slow motion and saying, okay, I get it. Love that. Oh man, I, I, I could listen to you guys for, for forever and ever. I, I'm, I'm so enjoying what you have to say. Um, and, and I'm, I'm applying things to my relationship as we're going along. And, and I'm sure that listeners out there are doing the same. And, you know, one of the cool things is that you're just about to launch a book or just finishing, uh, with, with, you know, with writing, writing the book. That book is going to be coming out soon. Let's let's put it that way. Can you walk us through what the book is about and and maybe a few uh, a few of the highlights for what you can expect in it? Yeah, the book is called "Return to Sex and Intimacy for Cancer uh, Survivors and Their Partners." And I actually, we, the original title was "Return to Intimacy for Cancer Survivors and Their Partners." But a mentor of ours, who is also a very successful author, said, "You know what." He's a 70. As it is. He says, men aren't going to look at this book unless it has the word sex in it. I go, okay. All right. Because we, we, you know, sex for us is, um, that, that's, that's an act. You can have sex all day and not, not be connected. Yeah. Not be intimate. Not be intimate. Exactly. And this is what, uh, what people experience, unfortunately, so often. So anyway, the book is, uh, is, 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 uh, originally designed for, Basically, your journey. Basically, it starts out our journey on 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 how we arrived at all these discoveries. It started three years ago. Well, four actually. Oh, four. No, see, no, I you, mean writing the book. Oh, writing the book. Yeah, we've been writing the book for four years, and it's in final editing now. But anyway, uh, so we, we it's, it starts out with our journey, and then we break the book up into four major sections. The first is acceptance and surrender. And this is mostly pertinent to the cancer survivors and their partners, because one of the things I had to learn 
uh, as I, as you probably saw in the TEDx, I had to surrender, accept and surrender to the isness of my condition. If I continued to fight the fact that I ha- that I can't get an erection, I'd be a very miserable, angry man. And unfortunately, far too men get stuck there. So acceptance and surrender. We have um, uh, several chapters on that. Then it goes into growing uh, emotional intimacy because this is the foundation for all other forms of intimacy. You can have the world's most mind-blowing sex in the beginning, but I absolutely guarantee you, and I'll put up any amount of money, that if you don't have a, a firm foundation, a deep foundation of uh, deeply connecting in uh, emotional intimacy, that sex is not going to last uh, at all. Right. That's a safety, safety against a wounding. Yes. Yeah. that's a, Yeah. So it, it, we talk about how to avoid the wounding and if there is wounding, how to address it. Uh, but that, that, uh, that emotional intimacy, growing emotional intimacy is crucial to the success of any relationship, not just the success, but the growing sense of fulfillment that only gets better the longer they are together. Then we go into the sexual intimacy uh, section and uh, how to achieve extraordinary sexual intimacy. Once you have a foundation of the emotional intimacy, the sexual intimacy is is un. Limited. Now, I'm going to, we didn't think this was possible, but we've done research, uh, uh, on, uh, based on third parties, the, uh, Ma- you know, Masters and Johnson and others. There is literally once couples, um, we're talking about, uh, heterosexual couples now, once they realize that the fountain of true sensuality and it's unlimited comes from the female, they and they know how to tap into that. They have access to levels of of uh, sexual fulfillment that let's just say that uh, on many radio interviews, I've been called a liar. And when I used to talk about it, uh, we're not going to give you specifics now, but it just beyond what most people can even imagine humanly possible. And it's available to everybody. And then the mm-hmm. final section is is exploring what we call spiritual in- intimacy, which is. It's nothing to do with religion. Yeah, nothing to do with religion, but let's just, there's ways to connect between two people that you don't even have to touch. Yeah, very energetic level that the first time Jacqueline and I did it, we didn't even touch each other. We were just using a a, a certain way to breathe and, and looking at each other, being very present for each other. And I almost ended up on the floor convulsing in a good way. It's very, very, very powerful, but we save that chapter for, or that, that section for last. Because um, most people just simply aren't ready for that until they yeah. read the rest of the book. They think it's a woo-woo thing. Yeah, they might think it's like woo-woo or something. Yeah, it's yeah but it's real. it's very, very real. And uh, we are amazing creatures as human beings. We have what we have available to us. What's sitting inside of us, and most people haven't got a clue, is just mind-boggling mm-hmm. and we continue to discover women new things. have no clue what their body is about I or mean, what they're capable say, yeah, of capable yeah. uh, men the same thing yeah and, yeah and nobody teaches you these things in school your yeah. parents are clueless too <laughs> <laughs> oh absolutely you're right nobody does teach you this which is why i love the fact that you guys are are you know are are putting this sort of information out in the world and it's it's people like you that we need more of to to shine lights on on those areas of our life that either we didn't know exist or we forgot uh you are, too are Roger 
Oh. What, you, what you're doing is, is an amazing, uh, you know, benefit for, for people who listen in your show. We need oh. more of shows like yours. Yes, absolutely. So our, our, our mandate is share with men that it is okay to be vulnerable, which, which is why I loved what you said, you know, in sort of your three steps to, um, to success. Uh, and because that is something that men just are not doing a good enough job of tapping into. And it's, it's something that's so important uh, in our lives. And, and I don't know if that's ever really been, you know, the case where men, men are tapping into that, but I feel like we are at the perfect, you know, now is the perfect opportunity to enhance that. Absolutely. And, and that's all based on wiring. Uh, the reason why men don't want to show vulnerability is because they, they, they connote that with weakness. It's quite the opposite. It takes an amazing amount of courage to allow yourself to feel everything. That's what true vulnerability is about. And, you know, there is existential vulnerability. See, this is what happens here. We were wired early on to avoid existential uh, extinction, right? And, uh, but, but because we are conscious human beings and we have emotions, uh, at, at the very early stages of our upbringing, we collapse the notion of emotional threat with existential physical threat. And men are designed by nature to avoid existential threat more than anything, because not only to protect themselves, but to protect the, the family, the, you know, again, they're, they're big part of the whole picture of the propagation of the species. This is all hardwired. And then you've got the cultural imprinting going on even today about, yeah, you got to be a man, man up. You got to do this. You got to be tough. You got to do all that kind of stuff, you know? And, (laughs) and it's, all it's doing is it's causing men to eventually, so many men are now committing suicide because they can't, they, that no one's taught them that it's okay. And not only is it okay, it's, it's crucial. They able to, to acknowledge the full spectrum of who they are as human beings. And, uh, you know, I'm just so passionate about this because I do a lot of men's work through the Mankind Project USA, and it's it's an amazing organization that that helped me tremendously. Uh, if I hadn't done their work, I don't think Jacqueline and I would be together. Actually, love that, love that. Hey guys, before we go, we you know we need to start wrapping things up. We always like to ask our guests, uh, you know, some fun sort of rapid fire questions. You know, a lot of our topics are 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 quite deep and 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 are obviously very serious, but. We also like to have a little bit of fun on the show. And I'm wondering if I can ask some of those questions to you both. Absolutely. Please go for it. Perfect. So, Michael, I'm going to ask you first, what is your favorite part about being a man? My favorite part of being a man is having all the strength, the drive, and that that sense of purpose that uh, that comes with being a man. And then wrapping that around through the acceptance of the uh, the feminine energy that I have. I fully embrace the feminine energy as well as the masculine energy. And I have, mm-hmm. you know, if you talk to people who know me well, they'll say, yeah, he's got pretty much equal m- amounts of that. I can be very, very sensitive. I can be very uh, emotional at times. And I, I actually love that side of myself. And I love the, uh, the the masculine side. So for me, the most fun, is the is incorporating and integrating the balance of those two energies, which every human being has, and women have it too. Women have a masculine side, and if men only knew, if they allow that to come out, <laughs> they would blow their oh, mind. Appreciate okay. <laughs> the fire, Jacqueline. What is what is the most misunderstood part about being a woman? 
the most misunderstood part of being a woman is that we supposedly are weak and uh, we just cry and now we just uh, sometimes go crazy and so far from from the truth. Uh, we are immensely powerful. We are powerhouse. Every girl, every woman, every lady are just incredibly powerful. And when I'm in the stage with Michael, I try to convey that to the audience. I look at the girls, I look at the ladies, and I tell them, you are powerful. Do you have any idea what is in you? And uh, so that's, that's what I like about being a woman. And uh, feminine, you know, the word feminine seems to be like a, the, that, you know, a weak, but it's quite the contrary. We are powerful. Mm, love that. Jacqueline, in your opinion, who is the most influential person of all time? In my world, the most influential is, um, I would say Oprah for me. Mm, love that. She was a turning point in my development uh, as a conscious person. Uh, she's kind of um, woke up the feminine side in me to have the courage to be in front of um, the audience and speak up. It's kind of realizing that I have um, a mission in this world. I just, um, yeah, waking up that powerful feminine side inside me and um, be able to say in front of anybody. Mm, Very cool. Michael, in in your opinion, what is the most underrated trait for modern day success? Oh, that's a that's easy to answer because I we talk about this all the time, and that is presence over performance. Mm. We we talk to you know when we talk to couples, uh, we talk about get rid of the word performance, never allow it into your bedroom, become present, which means a state of of active awareness without any agendas, goals, or expectations or distractions, and you can take that same concept and put it into the the sales room the boardroom the uh any kind of a social situation or community situation people today uh, are afraid of being present because in the present moment it, there's this point of there's this sense of uncertainty because in the present you're not anticipating the future you're not worrying about the past you're living the moment moment by moment but in a, from a state of pure awareness and uh, people gravitate to that like like a moth to flame. It is amazing. Uh, we do this on the stage. We, we actually work sometimes with people that are in the audience that want to be worked with. We show them what it means to be absolutely present. And they're just almost shaking afterwards. Uh, and uh, the same principles apply. I, you know, Jacqueline and I have both been entrepreneurs for in various different industries for, well, for me, over 40 years. For her, she's not as old as I am, uh, but for a couple of decades at least. And uh, you know, we know what it, you know, we know what it, you know, the performance and the drive and all that. And that was my previous career was, you know, all that. But presence, learning to be present in all situation, all situations will make a massive shift in how you experience the world. And just as importantly, how the world experiences you. Love that. Guys out there, 
check, check out the book when it comes out. By the time this this interview uh, is live, uh, it, it should be out. Uh, the, the book is called Return to Sex and Intimacy for Cancer Survivors and Their Partners. Um, and, and check out Michael's uh, TEDx talk. Um, and there's also so much information online about both uh, Michael and Jacqueline. But guys, what's the best way for people to learn more about you? And, and also, if somebody wanted to reach out, say hi, or, 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 or uh, ask a question, is, is, is there a better way to, uh, to get in touch? We both have a website and uh, Michael Russell Live is Michael's where uh, people can reach out to him and also see uh, where uh, presentations, uh, live presentations that he and I are um, doing this uh, new year. In 2017, we're going to launch our uh, speaking. Uh, we already done that in 2016, but we're going to do it uh, even more in 2017. So that's where uh, the calendar of events, uh, live events, if people want to come and see us. And um, the book is going to be launched the last, probably this month or the yes. last uh, yeah. week. In, last yeah. week in February or um, January. And I speak to uh, menopausal women. I go to conferences and workshops and I um, have uh, presentations and I directly talk to women who are in my age range and telling them that this is their time. This is the time of their lives. That is, they have to make a priority of themselves. What's the address of that, sweetie? That's JacquelineVLopez.com. Yeah, V for for, uh, Victor. JacquelineVLopez.com. Perfect. Guys, thank you so much. And and for everyone out in the Man Talks community, if if they want to learn more about Man Talks, uh, listen to more of our podcasts, watch our videos, or attend one of our live events, you can go to mantalks.com. It's going to be an exciting year for Man Talks. 2017 is going to be insane. Um, everyone, thank you so much for listening to the Man Talks podcast. Catch us next week for another uh, conversation where we're dedicated to building better men through conversation, connection, and community together. 